Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. My name is Zach, um, and I am joined by only Sam again today. Uh, it was Andres' birthday week, so uh, currently he's still raging, in case uh, anyone is wondering. <laughs> but um, I did, uh, you know, forget to mention our, our quote again, Sam. This is a Roman's mm. Empire podcast, <laughs> where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And this week, we're going to be talking some shit about Leeds. I'm glad you caught yourself there, Zach. I was a little worried. I did. Uh, I did. You, you know, I said I was going to bring it back as like a permanent staple in the podcast again, and I went for like four or five weeks mentioning it, and then this week I forgot. So, did anyone notice? Did it, like, did someone reach out and anyone. tell you? Or, okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you just noticed. You, know, you decided, it, okay, I'm bringing it back. Low key. <laughs> Okay. I'm actually pretty like proud it. of that catchphrase though, because I'm in general, like I'm not a very creative person, so I'm proud of that. Yeah, that, that's definitely the peak of your creativity. That uh, <laughs> that catchphrase. Um, but Zach, we had an awesome, awesome weekend. Three-one victory against Leeds United. Um, arrivals, I guess. Like we talked about it last week, but I guess uh, there's yeah, a lot yeah. more, a lot more old heads that hate them, uh, hate Leeds than I thought. Um, and for some reason, the fans out there hated Diego Llorente for some reason because they were just <laughs> no, like, no. You know why? Because there was a play in the second half where Werner nicked the ball off of him, and Llorente just cleaned him out, and and the ref didn't call anything, and and Werner would have been like cleaning on goal. I don't know if you remember. It happened around the middle yeah. of the pitch. Leeds were in mm-hmm. possession, and he got kind of he kind of stumbled for a sec. Werner did really well to anticipate, and he couldn't mm-hmm. like tap the ball away cleanly. Um, so he tried to shield it, and Yorente just like chopped him down. And then ever since then, he was getting booed. So he did this. What I read was that like he he got fouled, and he let out like a screech, <laughs> and it was like a weird sound. So like like they weren't just like booing him. They were it was like. like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. I think, I think like they're like they were like mimicking his sound, whatever, whatever like sound a he Rick made. Flair scream or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> great to have our fans back out there. Um, I know, I know the Chelsea haters out there. Um, absolutely, absolutely dreaded seeing all of our fans excited and happy and having fun in the stands. But you know what? I love really? it. Really big shout out to all 2,000 fans, Sam, because that sounded like way more than 2,000, at least like watching it on TV. And it yeah. didn't sound like they were adding any like artificial noise. Do you think they did or uh, did you? I, I don't think they did because even the pundits were saying that, you know, like it's it sounds louder than 2,000 people. And it's understandable. I mean, these people haven't, haven't you know, sang for their team in damn near a year. So, Zach, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I hate to admit this, but this morning I watched the beginning of the Liverpool match, and when they did You'll Never Walk Alone, I was like thinking, damn, this is the first time that they sung that at at Anfield since the shutdown, and the first time that they've been cha- since they've been champions. And I I got straight up, I got goosebumps. It was crazy. I mean, it, am I becoming soft? Like, what's going on with me? A little bit. A little bit. I'm not gonna yeah. defend you on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, I, I've never ever gotten goosebumps from "You'll Never Walk Alone," but this one, it hit a little bit different. Um, I think the so. last time, I think the last time a uh, uh, another club's fans gave me goosebumps was um, 
after we knocked out Eintracht Frankfurt from the Europa League at the bridge and mm-hmm. their and even after their team lost, their fans were still going absolutely apeshit in their corner, just still singing for the team. Like I remember that was a really like wow, like like mad respect to that club and their fans. But yeah, I mean it it's nice to see fans back all across England um, and the UK. I mean, I know some teams are still in that tier where, I mean, I, I don't understand how the tiers work in the UK. Over yeah. here, we have like color coded, you know, tiers. Um, purple purple zone, let's go. I think, right, yeah, we're, yeah we're in a purple right now. We're about to get <laughs> shut down for the 13th time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think, Sam, we would be remiss to not mention what happened at Millwall. Um, I think in a in a really well first of all fuck whoever did that i just want to throw that out there um, oh you're talking about the fans booing the fans that were booing yeah yeah you know and i also noticed like right after they did uh we'll never walk alone and they did the kneel everyone mm-hmm. at anfield was cheering and applauding and i think obviously yeah. the incident yesterday like made them go over the top a little bit more but mm-hmm. You know, just to it, kind of nice, make a point. Yeah, it's but nice he, to see that it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Not all hope is lost in the world, but I'd rather was, I'd rather see fan sad. bases. I'd rather see fan bases going out of their way like Liverpool did, just to kind of like do the little thing extra, just to make sure, like, hey, this is our stance. We're gonna make sure that it's noticed. Um, but I'm sure. I mean, there, there's bad eggs in every fan base. You know, you yeah, can't draw a generality. That, you know, like, all Millwall fans are racist because of that, you know? Or you yeah, can't say yeah, yeah. all Liverpool fans – or there's no racist Liverpool fans because they did cheered, you know? It's it's it's, yeah, it's obviously – it does it, – it, but, you know, sometimes, I think the sometimes they, the, they do come up more often with some teams, I, but we'll say I, that. I, I think the sad part about it – and this is the last thing I'm going to say on it because I, I don't want to give it too much of my time. Um, but I think the sad part about this whole thing is that we're probably going to see that happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's still a lot of work to do. And I think that, I I think that moment in isolation kind of symbolized how ass backwards a lot of people still are with the whole issue of, you know, social equality in general, not just racism. Um, so I, unfortunately I, I do think we're going to see a couple bad eggs, you know, rear their ugly heads and, and we're going to hear a couple more boos, but. I think the more important thing is that the response that you said, sort of like the Liverpool fans had, I, I think the response is more important um, from here on out. Now Agreed. now that the fans are back in the stadium, they need to make their voices heard like, hey, we're, we're, we're not only supporting you, but we're also supporting the cause. And I think that's where that's where the disconnect is right now between football and their fan base is that you know the fo- the actual athletes themselves has made their voices heard and i feel like the fans haven't gotten the opportunity to do that yet because of covid and you know all the extenuating circumstances so now that they're back in the stadium i hope that it continues you know in the mm-hmm. sense that they applaud it and you know um you know just kind of spread that love and just like peacefulness across the league as opposed to a few cunts that decide to boo <laughs> because you know they're still st- stuck in you know whatever generation they were born in or whatever <laughs> hole they crawled out of so yeah yeah that's bro. all i'm gonna say about it all right let's let's get back into this leads uh recap uh going through the starting 11 mendy and goal chilwell silva zuma and reese james in the back line midfield three of mount conte and havertz 
uh, and a front three of Timo, Giroud, and Ziyech. Um, of course, Ziyech uh, coming out pretty early with a what looked to be a hamstring injury um, right after the first goal, uh, the Giroud goal. Um, he he held up play a little bit just to give that pass to Reese James, and it looked like he came up a little bit uh, on that hamstring. Frank mm-hmm. said after the match that it was a hamstring issue and that it will be assessed in the next few few days. Um, but Zach, if we see Ziyech out for the next few weeks, uh, what does this mean for Cho? Um, it means it's his chance. You know, I feel like we say it every week. This is Cho's chance. The cha- last week, the Champions League is going to be Cho's chance. But now that Ziyech is down again, which is really unfortunate considering that you know he was just starting to get into rhythm. Um, it does present a really good opportunity for Cho to kind of come into this team and 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 put his marker down. Um, I don't think only playing the Champions League is enough for him because after the group stages, he's not going to be playing anymore. You know, we're going to be saving our strongest eleven for the knockout stages. Um, so it does present an opportunity. Of course, it comes at a cost in losing one of our most creative players. Um, but this is. This is going to be, you know, a, a real test. What what does he have to offer this team? Um, not and, and and I'm not talking about Champions League matches. I'm talking about the league. It's a very different beast. We've seen him put together really good performances, um, but we've only seen it in spurts. And I feel like the only time we've really seen Cho in and around the team consistently was that period under Sari where he played what what was it like four? He started maybe four or five games in a row. Um, you know, before rolling his ankle and missing a couple. So mm-hmm. I I hope this is a this is the time where we start to see Cho in and around the team sheet week in and week out. Um and, and, and that doesn't mean when Ziesh comes back that Cho gets left out again. Um you know I, the more competition in the squad the better. So if Cho comes in and he performs and then Ziesh comes back from injury, um that that just presents competition, and that's a healthy environment for a team that's trying to compete for a title, which is exactly where we're headed. Yeah, but um, that, when he comes back, that spot is Ziyech's. Like, no, no Frank is going to give. Yeah, well, well, look, Frank Frank is going to give it to Ziyech. I mean, I, it, it's obvious that the connection that Ziyech and Reese James have on that right hand side is probably our best line of attack at the moment. And then, obviously, at this point in time, Ziyech is by far the superior player as far as i mean the experience oh, one and then just like where he's at he's he's much farther along his career than uh he's he's shows. proven yeah yeah he's I mean, proven then that begs the question like whether i mean we actually did get this question on twitter um mm-hmm. from nacho a, a shout out to venezuela he he mentioned cho wasn't even named on the bench which i had some thought thoughts on on instagram and mm-hmm. i also posted that video on twitter but uh he asked, should we loan him out? And if so, where? I mean, uh, I'm still open to that idea. I, I really do want to see him get more opportunity. And I mm-hmm. also don't want to compromise the, the, the talent of the squad. And I don't want F- Frank to have to pick him and not our best possible team just to, you know, because he's he, he's being wasted on our bench. Like, I, I really do think a loan spell, it would be a positive thing for him, if if he was willing, of course. I mean, if he wants to stay and fight for the spot, and he's okay with the situation of, you know, playing in the Champions League and 
you know, some midweek matchups and whatever. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe he is okay with that. But, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. Um, first of all, I think his situation's a little different than, like, I I've seen a lot of comparisons between, like, him and Tamori in terms of these are two academy players that aren't getting time that deserve time. So, you know, let's loan them out. I think Tamori's situation is very different in the sense that he's not playing at all, and he's not in favor at all. Um, mm -hmm. So the odds of him getting into the team are mean that the you know, God forbid one of Zuma or Tiago Silva has to go down, and Rudiger or Christensen has like you know before yeah. he actually gets into rotation even, let alone the, uh, an actual game. I think with Cho, he's getting game time because, you know, he is our fourth string winger, um, technically, right? Or third. Um, which means he's going to get depends if It depends eventually. if you count uh, Werner as a, as a winger, which I mean, he kind of is him. at this point. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. And, and, and we'll explain, yeah, courtesy of Giroud, he's a winger now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what I was going to say in terms of being a devil's advocate was – Cho's situation is different in the sense that this season specifically, if you've listened to any of Jurgen Klopp's press conferences and hear him moping about how many matches the teams are playing and, you know, especially in the holiday period, the next month, month and a half, I think we have something, something ridiculous, like nine or 10 games in a calendar in a month, um, which is crazy. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be muscular fatigue. There's going to mm -hmm. be, players that pick up knocks look at look at liverpool for example um you know look at southampton they've been without danny ings you know leicester have been without jamie vardy spurs have been without harry kane um teams have already missed key players at this point in the season and and we've actually been pretty fortunate that one of Werner or Conte haven't gone down. Imagine if one of those two go down, you know. Okay, Zach, come on. I'm yeah. knocking on wood for you. Chill. Well, 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 no. But this is what I'm saying. Because this season is unique in that sense, I think that it would do us well to keep him as opposed to loaning him out, even if that means that he stays a part of a rotation. And I also <laughs> think that's part of the logic as to why we want to keep Giroud around the squad. The only difference with Giroud is that he's scoring goals like a fucking madman. Yeah. But but that's another it, reason. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be knocks. And we need that squad that We're going to need that squad depth at some point. Otherwise, we're going to be seeing Emerson playing out on the wing, which I don't want to see. Or we might see Mason Mount out on the wing, which I don't want to see either. You know, there, it, it could just pose a lot of awkward situations if you pull the trigger on a loan move for someone like this this quickly and this early into the season. I mean, Ziyech has already been injured twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think maybe I'm being a little bit selfish here. Like, I don't want to have to think about like 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 we're keeping them on as insurance in case people get hurt, and I don't want to think about our players getting hurt. <laughs> so I'm kind of like ignorance is bliss, trying to block that out of my head. Uh, but but that you know, is how a lot of opportunities get presented to footballers. Look at Harry Kane; injury allowed him to get into the squad and right, right. you know ultimately right. perform. Like there's a lot of players in and around the league that got their opportunities and blew up that way. I just I mean, think it's just the fixture congestion that scares me. I mean, between Pulisic and and, and Ziyech, you know, again knocking on wood, those are guys that pick up like little niggles and knocks, and they miss a game or two here and there frequently. 
And, you know, I, I, we obviously we hope it doesn't continue, but you do need to have that insurance policy because it doesn't look like Frank is is going anywhere outside of the 433 or the 4231, which means mm-hmm. we are going to need our wingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw after that injury uh, with we uh, he were. Who was, yeah, Pulisic replaced him at like the what was it the 30th minute or something? 20 and, something, yeah. Yeah, and like what I thought was, damn, like that sucks that Cho wasn't on our team on our sheet because now Pulisic's gonna have to play on the right. But actually, I mean, I think he did play on the right to begin with. He but started on the right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think after halftime, uh, Frank swapped him and Werner, and you saw Werner playing on the right side and Pulisic coming down the left, um, which. I mean, we were talking about Werner being out of position to start with. Now he's even more out of position playing on the right versus the left. But I don't necessarily think so. I mean, because because it puts our fastest player in the widest position possible, which just I mean, it, it, he he opened up their back line in the second half like two or three times. I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. But are you saying like I just think his are you pace... saying like winger and as in in general or left versus no right? no no I'm saying. It just shows his versatility as a footballer overall. I mean, we know he could play in the middle, but then when he comes off of the left, he cuts into his right and sort of becomes like this pseudo playmaker slash inside forward. But then when he plays on the far right, it seems like he's playing almost as a natural winger. So we get a little different taste of Werner stylistically whenever he's placed in each of those three positions, which I think is interesting. I noticed him playing really wide and close to the touchline when he was on the right. Obviously, he came inside a few times. That's just his natural striker's instinct in him. But he was looking to take on his man in 1v1s and get on the outside when he was playing on the right. Yeah, and I don't think he has the skill. I don't think he has the skill at at this point. I mean, no, no, no. Technically, he's brilliant. Zach, he's you know really what I'm saying. Like, like, to play as a winger requires mm-hmm. a, a very different skill set than playing as a striker. Timo Werner is a clinical finisher, even if, you know, although a lot of people would say otherwise, he is a very clinical finisher. And, yeah, yeah he does, I think he does, he have, uh, I think he has our team high assist this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, there's that, but it's just so hard i mean we'll get we're gonna get let's let's get into olivier Giroud right now because he's the main reason why he's gonna have to play wide so much because Giroud has been absolutely on a different level his last couple of starts i mean he's had 14 goals in his last 13 starts for chelsea um that's unbelievable got his goal off of a reese james's cross to equalize it um it, a bit nervy start like the first five minutes of the match was insane oh and my then Bamford, God. and then bamford's goal uh you know that that ball by calvin phillips could not be more perfect uh, their first so... pattern of play resulted in a goal and and our first pattern of play resulted on two shots on target yeah and it was that quick just shout out. tells you the whole story quick shout out to tiago silva that ball to ziesh like right at the beginning in the first minute not even the first minute like Whew, that was that was something that I'd like to see a little bit more of. That was like the first the taste import- we got of that of like a long ball playing center back. Thiago Silva, he's like he has a positional awareness of like a world class defender, like a you know sort of like a John Terry where he's not he necessarily the most defender. athletic, but he's like he's able to read the game perfectly. 
but he also has the distribution of David Luiz without like the erratic decision making of David Luiz. <laughs> like he I looks, I haven't seen. He Go looks ahead. calm on the ball, and when he plays a pass, you know exactly where he, what he's trying to do with it. Instead of you know like the, David Luiz, for every brilliant pass he'd have, he'd have like two fly you know into the thirtieth row. And Leeds like allowed him to make those balls, like the way, how deep they were playing, man marking, press. Yeah. Like they they allowed both our center backs to push up a lot, um, and our fullbacks. But let's get back to Giroud. Um, I mean, he had of course that first goal could have had another, but <laughs> Timo tried to tap it in, like one of the craziest miss misses. I that that will never happen again. First of all. He had I, he had a he had a ridiculous unlucky. miss in a Champions League where someone played him. It was a cross similar to the one that Giroud scored, and Timo like leaned back and put it over, and it was a tap in. Yeah, yeah. He missed I, two of those already. <laughs> That's crazy. I don't think he's missed two of those in his career. I know. It. I'm not worried. I'm literally. I'm. I could not I'm be not less worried. worried. I. I yeah, promise you. Too. But me too. back to Giroud because. This, this guy's been on a tear. I mean, you know, we're talking about Timo Werner missing sitters. Giroud is just absolutely clinical. It doesn't matter front post, back post, head, left foot, right foot, finesse, power, whatever. Like, he does it, and he scores. Um, I mean, that begs the question again, Zach, is he – our new number one striker. I mean, it changes yeah, every week. Yeah, yes, he is. A hundred and ten percent, he is. Um, and the argue, there is no argument against that. He's our most clinical striker. He's putting away the most chances and the fewest opportunities, and he's making the team play better. He's he's bringing a balance to the way we play, and you know it, it, it's crazy to think because when you when you look at him stylistically. You're not thinking that he's really going to help us much in the press. Or he's not really going to help us much if we want to decide to counter teams or hit teams on the break, right? But somehow, some way, he continues to contribute. Um, and this time it's been in goals. Um, yeah, some. He's our best striker at the moment. There's really no other way around it. You said it. 14 goals in his last 13 starts. I think I I think this is the kind of player when he's hot you just gotta kind of ride it out until he dries up My or God, loses confidence whatever happens first. Two weeks um, ago we were talking about like whether him go. <laughs> yeah and me being like you know what I'm okay with it like I love him I want nothing but the best and I mean the champs is the champs is still the manager at for France right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Deschamps is the biggest Giroud advocate there is. Like, for anybody that doesn't know, he has time and time again, he's gone out there and said, like, Giroud needs to be in and around the squad. Because I, mm. I know the French press was really pushing for him to not, um, to drop him at one point. And then I remember Deschamps actually did that. And he started, like, I think he started Griezmann at the nine and played, like, mm -hmm. Mbappe and Dembele on the flanks. And it was a disaster. And then Deschamps, like, right after it was like, yep, Giroud's going to be back in the squad next time around. Like, like we were clearly missing him. He, yeah. He's he's that missing link. But, uh, yeah. And um, look what I, he did I last season. I can't disagree with you. If people are going to argue with it, just look at his body of work after Project Restart. When the guy gets hot, 
and you keep rewarding him with starts, he's going to perform. He, he's going to put together big performances. And and e think even farther back than that, Sam. This is the guy who scored the game winner in a European final for us in the Europa League. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it kind of – a World Cup winner. I, I don't really need to advocate for him en anymore, you know. it's <laughs> he, it, he really is like the most underappreciated player I think I've ever seen in my whole life. And Definitely been, at Chelsea that I've seen at Chelsea since I started watching. I mean, his whole um, career, like even at Arsenal yeah. too. Like, yeah. he's never been the number one undisputed striker for a team. Even though, this he, way. but he's always been the best striker for a team. If 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 hypothetically, Sam, let's say Giroud was ten years younger. He's twenty four years old, and he's playing the way he's playing. Do Chelsea go out and buy Timo Werner? No, I mean, yeah, I probably mean, we if, probably if don't if buy like, that. Yeah, you're saying like if he's younger, if he was younger, no. we would probably build our build our attack around him. I mean, if when he's we brought in like this, when we brought Werner in, that was the first thing we said. Like, yeah, striker is not the position that we're looking to <laughs> to upgrade. It's center back. It's you know left back. It was like one was of those positions that well, like... could have been upgraded, but it wouldn't have been. It wasn't our priority. Like we wanted another. We wanted like a really classy winger to replace Willian. We wanted a center back, a left back, and a goalkeeper. I think those were like on everyone's wish list. Some people had striker on there, which is understandable. But it was one of those situations where it's like even if we don't go out and get a striker, we'll be more than fine until January. We might be able to be fine until next summer and then reevaluate. Yeah, I mean, see, I don't know where I stand. I, I, I'm a hundred percent on on board with keeping him and not loaning him out in January. Yeah, let his contract run out. But, like this uh, is one of those situations where I would be okay with letting him walk away on a free. Yeah, yeah, I think because th this year has been so crazy, like with the Premier League and with Champions League. Like, mm -hmm. I legitimately think that we are contenders for both like completely honest so it's like even if like what you're saying he leaves next season like we got to go all in for right now i think like there's there's i i want champions league final if like hypothetically we get in i want livia juru starting at striker 100 and, and you have to think about it from his his position too and this is the last thing i'm going to say on it is if juru does you know in january decide to leave and say hey like i need to go somewhere else how does is he going to perform the same way that he's performing here somewhere else? He's probably going to do well, but is he going to get this much opportunity? Or is he going to have a manager like Frank that's like, nope, you got your goal last match. I'm going to keep playing you. Like, I know how this shit works. I'm going to mm -hmm. ride it out. That's another thing that he has to look at is if he does move, is he going to get enough of an opportunity for Deschamps to be like, yep, I'm, I'm comfortable with bringing him aboard. You know, he's in form or he's fit, match fit at least. Yeah. But yeah. Fuck yeah. Olivier Giroud is our number one. <laughs> Alright, let's let's move on to our fullbacks. I mentioned Reese James earlier, but um you know, because of how narrow Leeds' back line was playing, um, and they pretty much had four center backs with how, how narrow their, their fullbacks were playing. But Joel and Reese were free to push forward and attack from the wings, like pretty much free. Um and I thought both of them had an amazing performance, especially Reese with the assist, of course, but, you know, also defensively. And, you know, that's also the great thing about having fans back. We mentioned a couple weeks ago some some defensive play. I don't remember exactly which one, but you said 
you know, that's one of those plays that would draw an applause from the fans and, you know, they, they'd give him that standing ovation. Just yeah, for those yeah, small Mason plays. Mount when, Mason Mount when he tracked back like in a 90-something minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, last you weekend. Know, and Reese James yeah. had a couple of those plays yesterday. I mean, wh- what did you think of their performance? Man, I I think at some point um, when the English media decides to jump off Liverpool's dick, I think the next dick they're going to hop on is Reese James and Ben Chilwell's. <laughs> it's <laughs> obvious that behind Trent and Robertson, we probably have the best fullback pairing in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And that's that's me saying it with no bias whatsoever. Um, because if you look at both sides, you got two players that are uh, – well, one, you got Chilwell on the left who just has a knack for making – and we were talking about this before we hit the record button – Ben Chilwell has this knack of making these late runs into the box and, and, and getting on the end of things and, and scoring goals. But he can also provide on set pieces, and he's a great defender. And then you go to Reese James, who's also a great defender as well. Physically, he's, he's, he's really strong. He doesn't get bumped off the ball. Mm-hmm. For his size, he moves really well. But that whipping ball that he has is a, like a work of art. Um. Bro, he threw someone down. Uh, I forget a, who it was, but that was amazing, stocky, dude. He threw is stocky. He holds, and the thing is, he doesn't hold all, like if you look at him at first glance, you see like you know wide shoulders, and you're like, okay, he holds most of his weight up there, but he, he he's thick, man. He he's pretty immovable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people people sort of bounce off of him at times. One um, who was that kid that came off the bench for them? Uh, Poveda something like yeah. that they're like mm-hmm. they're number seven when he switched onto their left and reese james was picking him up um there was one player a ball got played down the line and poveda like you can tell like he really leaned into reese james and tried to give it to him and reese J- and he just kind of bounced off and reese james i think got that's what i was comfortably and played it back. i think that's i think that's who he threw down who i was talking about earlier yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think that was the same play and the yeah. funny thing was i kept an eye on After that same kid every time he got the ball and every time he got the ball on Reese James's side, or he had the opportunity to go in on like a 50-50, he would pull out right at the last second because he had that PTSD. Like, there's this sort of physical dominance Reese James has on the right, and then this sort of like silky smooth style of play Ben Chilwell has on the left. But my point is, is, is they're not specialists in one thing. They're very well-rounded defenders in that sense. Like, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. I guess if you could pick maybe one out, it's that they push up too high at times but is that really a weakness of theirs or is that just a consequence of the way we play because mm-hmm. leeds was leeds leeds's plan of attack was very simple it was we're going to allow chelsea to come on to us we're going to sit really really deep and then we're going to try and hit the channels as fast as we can and they did that really well yeah. with rafinha who by the way i really like that guy the last mm-hmm. time i saw somebody give us that hard of a time like a really tricky winger was richarlison when he played at watford I remember there was there was one game where he probably should have had two or three goals at the bridge, and he got fouled maybe five or six times in that match. Rafinha, I it sort of gave me those same kind of vibes. Like, he's a great player, but I can't believe they that, went out and bought Rodrigo when they have a player like him out there. I mean, I know they don't exactly play the same position, but well, well, you know still. how like, I mean, Bielsa is like this mad scientist on the football pitch. So like, he brought Rodrigo in, and I'm thinking, okay, this is obviously a replacement for Bamford. And Bamford decides to start performing. Rodrigo gets sit, sat on the bench. 
he gets COVID, and I know this because I have him on my on my uh, Premier League fantasy nice. team, um, or had him. I dropped him. Um, but yeah. Anyways, um, the situation with him is that he doesn't really play at the nine. He he plays off of the nine. When when Bielsa puts in Rodrigo more often than not, Bamford's staying in the match, and Rodrigo's sort of playing off of him. Um, but yeah, no, they, they look. I mean. All credit to Leeds. Like this was this was a fun game to watch, and even though it wasn't pretty at times, and if you look at the statistics for you know pass success and dribble success and possession, it doesn't look pretty. But but this was one of those games where if you've taken someone that's never watched a Premier League before and made them watch this, they would be like, "Wow, this is fun." <laughs> yeah, I mean Leeds is. I mean, Olivier Giroud said it after the match. He said that was the toughest team i ever had to play against and like you know they're they're they are a very talented team and you know last week in our preview we we didn't really go into how how well constructed they really are and you know their system and i, mean, I know we talked about bielsa ball a little bit but um yeah i mean we are very talented on the team. high press but i guess i guess we, and this is our fault we didn't talk about their energy man i mean yeah. Yes, they did kind of poop out after the second goal went in. Like it was clear, sure. like their energy level dropped off a little bit. But the way that team plays is so ballsy. But mm -hmm. everybody, the thing is that everybody seems so committed, and I think that's why they're fun to watch. It, it's you don't look at one player on the pitch and think uh, they're kind of half-assing it. And we you got know. a question. We got a question from uh, Kirill's Medvedev yeah. on uh, Twitter. He asks. Is there a better right back than Reese James in the Premier League? Right now, um, I mean, people are gonna say Trent. Um, well, right now honest. he's not he's not playing right now. <laughs> so if we're like, going off technicalities, if, if we're going off of form, I think yes, you can make an argument. But when Trent comes back, he's you know he he has the reputation. He's been doing it the longest, and and, and look. That's not that's not me shitting on Reese James. That's just me saying this is Reese James's first full season as our number one. Mm -hmm. So he needs to put together that full season before he officially claims that title. But who else yes, is up there? Like Nelson, like I think Nelson Semedo deserves a shout, especially after his performance today. Did you see he scored a goal? Ricardo Pereira <laughs> at, at Leicester is a is another. Um, He's another really good one. I know he hasn't been healthy, but like even that new one that that new guy Lester bought Castagna um, from Atalanta, he started out the season really well. He looks like a good player. By the way, There's... the joke about Semedo was that he scored an own goal. In case uh, you didn't catch that. No, I did catch it. He's on my fantasy team too, <laughs> but 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 he is on my bench, which is nice. Okay, good. Yeah, um, yeah. All right. I mean, I think I think he definitely at the moment is playing like the best right back. But eh, we'll see. I don't want. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Timo Werner a little bit, because um, we did mention that crazy miss uh, on the tap in off of Giroud's header. Just don't know how that even like abided by the laws of physics. Like that. That just really did not make sense. But you know, he had some other chances. A one v one with the keeper in the first half. He put wide. Uh, two 1v1 chances in the second half one of them uh he had two chances actually at the goal both of them were saved and then mount had a, had a chance at it right after uh and the, it got deflected out for a corner 
and then another 1v1 chance off of a beautiful mount through ball from the left from the left wing um and he just hit it right at the keeper and it just it, you know I, I can't i can't put my finger on it because you see him working hard the whole match and he puts himself in these positions and he misses a couple chances but he's still putting himself in positions after that like mm-hmm. i don't think this is I, don't think this is, I mean, yeah, but I don't think this is a lack of confidence. What do you what do you think? I, I, I think it's a lack of confidence only in front of goal. But but to, to go back to what I said about his mentality, it's it's this idea of. Even if I'm not going to score goals, I'm still going to find other ways to contribute like his work rate in this game was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you look at his assist that happened in the 93rd minute. He ran from almost near his own box beat his man on the outside in the 93rd minute runs past Frank Lampard and then, you know, gives the ball up to Pulisic and squares it. And, and, you know, we get our third, but that kind of example is one of those things that kind of show you like one, this guy has incredible work rate and fitness, but two, he doesn't get deterred. Like when he misses, it doesn't affect the way he's playing. He's still going to take shots when he needs to shoot. He's still going to make the passes when he needs to make the passes. He still makes the right decisions. You know, when I see when I see Werner miss, instinct like gives you Murata vibes. It gives you a little bit of PTSD. Like, oh Aww. god, oh god. But no, no, no. It does a little bit. You know, we, we bought this striker. That. We bought this striker, and he's missing some chances, and they start to set in for a sec. But then you see him do something absolutely brilliant, or get into that same exact space again, and exploit that same weakness in the other team's defense again. Or hurt them in another way. Like, he just, he does a little bit of everything. And he doesn't mope. He doesn't whine. When he misses his chances, he doesn't put his head down. His face isn't in the grass. He's not slouching his shoulders. His body language is still positive. He still works hard. He still gets back on defense. He does everything that's asked of him. Um, And I, like you said earlier, I can't be more confident that eventually he's going to start scoring, you know, we've already seen him put a couple away, but if you look at his numbers in the last two or three seasons, it's going to tell you like, yeah, he's in a bit of a scoring funk, especially if you look at his conversion rate as well. I mean, there's a lot of expected goals that he's missed. And I know a lot of people hate those stats, but that's just, that's just matter of fact. He's going to come good at some point. Some And Morata, Morata didn't have that coming in either. I mean, he didn't have even, the, the resume. That, no, that Olivier Giroud, I mean, not Olivier Giroud, that Timo Werner had. No, he didn't have that resume. But another thing with Morata was like, you know, again, the body language. He slouched his shoulders. He moped. He threw his hands up. Yeah, he blamed every. He blamed everyone but himself. And I think Werner's a player that takes responsibility, and you see it with the decision making. When he missed, you know, when he missed that Giroud opportunity, his body language stayed positive, and he put himself in another one v one a few minutes after that. And I know he put it wide, but the point is he's still getting himself into those positions. He's not getting deterred. That motivation is still there. That focus is 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 still spot on. It's you know his he's basically playing with blinders on, and he's he's only looking forward. He's not worried about what happened three or four minutes ago, and, and I think that's what I absolutely love about him. And you know when you look at the misses, one you could tell he's trying to place the ball in the right spots. 
you know, he's picking out the right spaces to put the ball. He's just, for some reason, the finishing touch is just not working. Like the instinct to kind of tap in that Giroud header was a striker's instinct. Yes, the ball might have been going in, but you want your striker playing with that striker's instinct, you know. There's a lot of positives to take from the way he's playing. And I think if you're if you're a Chelsea fan and you're looking only at what Werner's not doing in terms of goal con- direct goal contribution, you're completely missing it. You're you're completely missing his value to the team because there's there's so much more to him than what he can give us in just goals and assists. Well, by the way, I was just roll, like scrolling through uh, Twitter and I saw this picture of Ian Pavetta in, in a youth like on our youth team. Yeah, I saw. I that didn't too. know that. Yeah, he, he was on our he yeah. was on our youth team from 2007 through 2010. He was born in wow. 2000, so from age seven to ten, that was easy math. Um, and then Reese James uh, bumped him off. Yeah, because probably was bumping him off back then too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not having the same, the same feeling, the same fears that I had with Murata that I'm having with, you know, that I have with Werner. Like those vibes didn't. Great. I'm not saying the vibes set in some. I'm saying yeah, you just just thought about it. The thoughts came in your head. Yeah, yeah. I feel you. All right, let's talk about the other German, Kai Havertz. Is he might be giving me <laughs> those vibes a little bit? No, I'm just kidding. But he he really did struggle this match. Uh, he, he didn't impact the match on the ball at all, really, in the first half. Positionally, was kind of solid. Second half, he stepped his game up a little bit, gone to the ball more, but you know, just never really posed any real direct danger from his play. Um, we got a question, another question from Kirils on Twitter. Should we be worried about Kai? And then in parentheses, he says, I'm not. <laughs> but are you worried a little bit about Kai? I mean, uh, no. there was there was a couple plays that I was just like, man, what are you doing? Like, he's had, he had so few touches in the first half, and most of them just ended up in dispossessions. And, you know, I just – I was not happy with what I saw. It wasn't – yeah. it, it, it wasn't a pretty performance, but, it, it, again – I, I said it last week. I wouldn't have started him for this game. Like, I I thought starting him was kind of throwing him... It's it's sort of like a baptism by fire by starting him in a game like this. Like, especially in a te- against a team that Lampard knows really well because he played against him in a championship. And I forgot to mention this last week, too. Bielsa spied on Lampard when he was the manager of Derby County. He sent one of his assistants to, to scout his... Uh, to spy on one of his training sessions before they played and and be also like paid this fat fine himself and like admitted his whatever but going back to Havertz um it's not a performance that I look at and say like oh god here we go again it's more of he just needs to he, he's one of those players that just kind of needs to be eased into it i think when you throw him directly into the starting lineup after not playing for that long um and we still don't and, and like i know andres is is gonna you know speak is, is probably would have spoke on this if he was here but we don't know how COVID's affecting him you know we talked about paul pug uh I, I was listening to uh the sky sports podcast and um you know they were mentioning paul pugba and how he was saying like 
you know, he's just starting to feel like he's getting his stamina and cardio levels back to the way they were pre-COVID. Um, so th they they might have an impact on the way Havertz is playing. Havertz did have symptoms. He was a lot different than Cho's situation, who was, you know, apparently more asymptomatic or, you know, his symptoms weren't as severe. Apparently mm -hmm. Kai actually had, like, flu-like symptoms, actual mm -hmm. flu-like symptoms. And even if you get the regular flu, just think about it. In two weeks, you're not going to be back to 100%. It's going to take you some time. It's probably going to take you a month, at, you know, give or take, to get back to where you were before. So I'm not worried about it. He didn't look tired to me. Um, he just looked like that match fitness. He, he looked like someone that just hadn't played in a month. It, 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 that, that part looked obvious. His first touch was letting him down. Um, mm -hmm. His decision-making wasn't quick enough. Oftentimes, he was he was trying to do too much. I felt like – I feel like he's trying to prove a point too often, and he looks like he's better off when he simplifies his game. It just looks like it sort of comes easy for him because he's a silky player. When a silky player plays those simple passes and plays – you know, um, plays the safer balls, at least like when you first come back into the game just to sort of get in rhythm, it kind of makes you feel good. It gives you that little bit of bounce of momentum. The way the game started was so unfair to Kai because one, he hardly saw the ball, and two, the pace of the first 30 minutes was ridiculous. How do you expect him to get, you know, into some sort of form there? So I'm not worried. I think it's going to take him time. But I do think that maybe we should sort of take a step back and be a little wary of, uh -huh. you know, how like fast we're throwing him in there. The impact of COVID is something that I hadn't really considered fully. But I think that explains a lot as far as, like, his cardio not 100% being there. But, yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried. I'm Positionally, he was good. I didn't really yeah. see anything wrong with what he was doing positionally. It just seemed like he didn't really impact the game in an attacking sense. And by the way, I was talking about a play that Reese James bodied someone. It was Bamford. It was after a foul, mm. and he threw him down on the ground, like at near the end of the first half. And that is just that's impressive, man. Bamford is that a big awesome. lad, and he just threw him down. But um, you know, I mean, we're an American podcast after all. So when we get a police exciting like that, where he ends up scoring a goal, we have to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. scored that dagger goal, uh, in, in the 93rd minute. Um, in my opinion, it seemed like he was trying to do a little bit too much on the ball. Um, playing with it a little bit, forcing his shot. Cause you know, he has that shot where he starts on the left wing, does a, a nice move and gets towards like the top of the box and tries to curl it in the top right post or, um, but it's uh, I, I don't know. It it. What do you think, Zach? I mean, like, do you think he has a green like light? He's to trying that. too much, though. Like, I mean, I, I I get like that he has the green light to do it, but did you think? Do you think it's effective what he's doing? It's gonna be. <laughs> Look, it, it, if if you tell Pulisic not to play like that, then you don't get this type of performances that we've seen out of him. Um, you know that that we praise so much. He's one of those players that he needs – I don't necessarily know if he needs needs the ball to be effective because he's so good at arriving in the box and as we saw on his goal. But he loves to run at players, and, and, and he likes to keep defenses guessing. Um, so I don't really have a problem at him running at people. That's, that's why you have him out there. He's your creative cog. Um, but overall, Sam, 
this was a really good performance from him. I was I, I was actually really happy with it. Um, much like Timo Werner, it was frustrating in the sense that not a lot came off for him in particular until late in the game. But that that body language and that composure and that mentality was still there throughout. Um, so so I mean that was the biggest positive I took away from the, from the performance in general. And then of course you know the goal is absolutely huge. Um, and, and that's going to do a lot for his confidence as well. But now that we have, you know, our number one striker, we know who it is now in, in, in Giroud. We know Werner is going to play on, you know, either flank and our best winger is Pulisic. It's, it's going to be fun to see those three play together the next couple matches. All right, before we wrap up, let's, I wanted to give a quick shout out to two players, Mason mm-hmm. Mount first, uh, phenomenal match and perhaps player of the match. Uh, yeah, my had, man of the he, match. He had seven chances created, uh, which was the most by a Chelsea player in a single Premier League game this season. But also, that no one has created more in a game across the past five seasons. It was an unbelievable performance. And I also saw this other stat <laughs> saying that there's only two players in the Premier League um, that have, I think it's like, here, two tackles. Uh, two key passes and two shots every game. Mm-hmm. One of them, obviously, you can guess is Mason Mount. Do you know who the other one is? Could you guess? Bruno? No. Or De Bruyne? De Bruyne. Yeah. I mean, I love these. I love these cherry pick stats. But I mean, it it does it does tell a lot about the player that he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's averaged two shots, two key passes, and two tackles per game this wait, season. Wait, wait, it, it is De Bruyne. The yeah, other it's, yeah, it's oh, De Bruyne. Okay. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. But yeah, you're right. Um, but that that's uh, and he, you know, it it showed this match. He was definitely. I think he was the best player. And then the second player I want to give a shout out to Kurt Zuma. Uh, Zach, did you know his middle name was Happy? I just yeah, learned this kind of, of recently. I, I don't no, know why. No, 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 no. That's why, that's why we call him happy. It's not because he has like a really a funny laugh and a nice smile. It's because he – well, he is always happy. And apparently yeah, that's why his know. parents named him that is because it's <laughs> it's some sort of like – it's supposed happy to, all the time? Well, no, no. It's it's supposed to like just put some like positive like energy, you mm-hmm. know. It's like one of those like – yeah, yeah, like good juju type of things where it's like so if we name him happy, he's always going to be happy. He and got he his is. fourth. Yeah, and he, I mean, he has no reason to not be happy. He got his fourth <laughs> goal of the of the season, joint yeah. high for the club. Um, I think that's probably the high, the most goals for any defender uh, in the Premier League, and I think it's the most goals for any defender in any of the top five leagues. Does, uh, does he have I'll more than check. Ramos now this season? Because uh, Ramos, me on that. No, I'll find I don't think that he has stat. a lot of Ramos. But I don't think he has more than Ramos does. Yeah, because that guy takes pens. He also misses pens, but he, al- um, he also scores a lot of headers too, though. Um, but yeah, uh, did you want to add anything about those two? Um, I mean, look, if, if we really wanted to, this is one of those games where we could talk have about a everyone segment on everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, really quick, shout out to um. I also want to shout out Thiago Silva. Mm-hmm. I liked I, 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 the composure was was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, overall very very. Shout good out to Ngolo Conte. Shout out to Kovacic. Shout yeah. out to everyone. I, shout I out think to everyone. I, everyone played well. I thought like there was. Yeah. I mean, sure. Tammy was Werner, decent when he came on. Yeah, you know, he he caused problems. And he kind of 
was I think responsible for that last goal. Like he, the the lead up to it, he yeah. he, he I think he saved it from going back to uh, lead. So good for him. Um, all right, let let let's go into our Twitter questions. We only got a couple this week, but the first one was from Ron. I like this one a lot. So oh, this is from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks. What do you attribute to this year's mentality compared to the past few years? Frank, Silva, the new signings? Because in all honesty, the last few years, this would be one of those games we would have lost 3-0. But now, we tie our laces up and say, let's score two now. Who do you think, Zach? I think it's sort of a melting pot of the outcome of last season, how we sort of ended on a good note by qualifying for the Champions League. Um, I think it's a little bit of our new signings, um, knowing that players of Havertz, Thiago, like just knowing that players that are world-class are coming into the club. Um, the experience of Thiago Silva is absolutely huge, but it's also the fact that, you know, this team seems like they're ready. They look locked in. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's fair to necessarily put it down to one thing. I think it's a little bit of everything, but... We do definitely look a different team without Thiago Silva, so I, I guess if I had to nitpick one thing in particular, I think our mentality does come down to him and Edward Mendy um, just because they give us that sort of peace of mind at the back, knowing that you know, mm-hmm. those two guys are going to be solid every single match, no matter what. And I think that just sort of settles the team's nerves a little bit. And also, Thiago Silva's distribution out of the back um, the way he breaks teams' presses is so understated. The decision-making on his passing is, is ridiculous, and that sort of just kind of opens us up and opens our game up in a whole new way. Now we're actually able to play out of the back effectively as, a, I mean, as opposed to erratically like we did last season. And I think just the intensity of the team has gone up significantly. I mean, mm-hmm. j- just for instance, Chelsea were the first team this season in the league to outrun Leeds. And they outran them by six kilometers. No way. Are you serious? What a fucking stat, Sam. What a fucking stat. I know. I got them all. I got them all. (laughs) No, no, no. That one's up there, man. I I didn't even read that or see that anywhere. So the fact you picked that one out was – that's a good one. Yeah. So, I mean, that just shows the intensity, the high work rate that our team shows. I mean, a team like Leeds that is – is known for its energy and its high work rate and it's running. We outran them by what I say, four kilometers, six kilometers. Mm-hmm. Like that is lovely. I mean, and I, I don't know what to attribute it to. And I think what you even said if is you right, could it's, match it's, their energy, it's like a, it's something to pat yourself. Exactly. On the back for. Yeah. yeah. And we outpace them, but yeah. Um, Hey, yeah, I found the stat. Kurt Zuma is the best goal scoring center back in Europe's big five leagues. Wow. Yeah, so he has more than uh, Sergio Ramos. My, see, my stats are just on top. I'm on top Fair of stats play. today. Um, so we got another question. This was from, I think, like two weeks ago. But yeah. it's from the at, R- the, the real, sorry, the at, at the real RCB24. He said, hey, man. I don't know who he was talking to specifically. I think he was talking to me. Hey, hey man. I want to hear your guys' opinion on Jeremy Boga compared to Cho. Tread softly. That's what he said. So, I mean, mm. 
Is this guy a big Jeremy Boga fan? Like, no, that, I think you he's want to saying be careful. Tread softly because is there, I, are there just, comps like that that I come hate, up recently? No, I, I I think he said tread softly because I just hate talking about Jeremy Boga because <laughs> it's it's just like it's beating a dead horse. That ship came and went a long time ago to sort of bring him back to the club. Um, but for those of you that don't know, God, this is gonna suck. Uh, Jeremy Boga former Chelsea youth product, um, left or right winger, uh, stylistically sort kind of sort of similar to um, to, uh, to the way Cho plays. Kind of like Adama a little bit, yeah, where he's he, he's more physical than Cho is. Like he, he's, he's a bigger guy. Loves to run at people, but just never had that end product. His decision-making kind of stunk. He actually started, I think it was the, I think it was Conte's, second season i want to say yeah it was conte's second season he started at right wing for us um in the first game of the season and then he got pulled up he got pulled out like at halftime i think for tactical reasons but yeah um so what's the comparison <laughs> there is no comparison i know right? a chelsea player and jeremy boga isn't um <laughs> yeah there, I, I i just don't I, I don't really see it I mean, yes, they both love to run at their defenders. They're technically they're really good. They're they're tricky to defend. They both got pace. Um, but other than that, I'm only focused on Cho, man. Sorry, yeah. the real RCB twenty four. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's uh wrap this up with the Krasnodar preview. Uh, at this point, the group has already been decided uh completely uh unless Sevilla somehow brings back that 13 goal differential gap um which I mean I'm not expecting that uh mm-hmm. so really there's nothing to play for for either team so with that being said what do you expect the lineup to look like really really rotated I want to see Billy Gilmore I want to see Tomori I want to see Emerson and I'm saying that because I don't want to see Chilwell. I'm not saying that because I want to see Emerson. Um, and definitely no Ali Giroud. I think Tammy Abraham gets a start, and we'll see Cho for sure. I mean, this is, this or match Gino. this match is screaming for a Billy Gilmore start, in my opinion. Is he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, it is. It is Zach. Okay, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> I it heard is. it. It's screaming at me, and it says Billy fucking Gilmore, the goat, is going to start against Krasnodar. And I think I think other than him, like Ch- Cho should be the first name on the team sheet. Um, Cho, mean, yeah, then, Cho then for you sure. build around that, mm-hmm. and then Billy Gilmore. I mean, it 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 does. It seems like the perfect opportunity. It's it's really it's 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 a pointless match like there's there's nothing to gain from it except for experience and that is the perfect opportunity for billy gilmore if he's not looking to match fit you can just take him out you know like i, I just, just want to see, see i want to see our back for i want to see our back tomori for, is this a I chance see, for tomori that's what i'm saying i want to see tomori okay did you say that i'm sorry i'm gonna go th- i'm gonna go through the lineup here okay <laughs> Um, it, fuck it. Play Keppa. <laughs> we got whatever. I want yeah, Christian, I'm, I'm I want okay Christensen with that. Or Rudiger and Tomori. I do not want Christensen and Rudiger, and I feel like we're gonna see that. But it's a chance, maybe for Tomori. 
I want to see Emerson on the left. I want to see Dave on the right. I want to see a midfield. Maybe we could do a double pivot of Jorginho and Kovacic. We could start Kai at the 10 because, fuck, man, like he, he, he needs to get back in rhythm. Um, Cho on the right. Pulisic might have to start on the left. Fuck, is, is Tino Andrian on the Champions League roster? I was about to say, let's call him up. Yeah, dude. Tino Andrian up. Bring in, yeah, bring in Tino Andrian. Bring in a couple of the youth players. Um, I think that's a good opportunity for some of those guys to maybe get in. And then obviously I want Tammy starting up top. I don't want – I want Timo, Giroud, basically our whole starting 11 sitting nowhere near the bench, up in the stands, warm with fuzzy blankets – and furry coats on. I don't want to see them anywhere near the pitch. <laughs> what about Ian Motson? You think we can call him back? I wouldn't mind seeing Ian Motson. I mean, he's on loan, right? Yeah. So I think he, I, he did go out on loan, though. Yeah. Yeah, Charles. Yeah, Charleston. that's true. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like any. Way to remember that. I I even forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Just look it up. I don't right. remember who else. Who else <laughs> is on our Champions League roster that could possibly get into this team? Is that something I can look up? Who? Oh. But no, I'm saying, is that something I can look up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, look, look up the up Champions right League roster really quick. I'm actually really interested to see. Um... Okay, so Tomori is on our roster, FYI. Midfielders. Mm-hmm. Let me see what any young names that stand out. Okay, Billy Gilmore. Henry Lawrence. Faustino. Oh! Faustino Andrin. There we go. Let's go. Those Tino guys Andrin. are all going to be in the squad then. So we'll see at least two youth players. Uh well ooh, yeah then Ian Motson not in current player list that yeah the, 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 they have it yeah that's weird because that there it has all of our players and then there is a separate list saying not in current player list and Ian Motson's the only player there so I mean I don't know if that means that there is like a recall option, but it it doesn't seem likely they're gonna recall him just for one match. Like that's not let's not even consider that. But yeah, wow. I mean, have we seen a Tino Andrian uh senior debut yet? Am I yeah forgetting something? Okay, yeah, we have. Um, he played like the end of a match for us. He came on and he remember he looks sort of like Ruben. He's like a big attacking like like physically yeah, like he's a big right. attacking player yeah but uh, i don't really know if he's a number 10 or like a winger or you know like mm-hmm. a box to box type of player but i lamps is the kind of manager that's going to give them time in a game like this too and it, it is krasnodar after all even though they played us pretty well at home they're on the road now and now they have to make the flight yeah i i forgot to mention that too yeah but um you're right. Yeah, he made one appearance in Premier League, one appearance in the EFL Cup, but uh, mm-hmm. only like like a 20 minute ca- uh, cameo. But mm-hmm. all right, Zach, you already know where I'm going with this. Let's just start off with my prediction. Uh, I think it's going to be a hard fought battle, a lot of goals scored, three three draw. <laughs> three three again, baby. Yeah, I'm not. I'm uh... not. I'm not changing it until we lose. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Keep it going until uh, until we drop points. I think you should keep it at three. Well, we three. did drop points against against Tottenham, but we haven't lost yet. We're undefeated still. Hey, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. So fair we're enough. yeah until we lose. I'm I'm keeping it up. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go. 
I'm going to go 3-1 Chelsea. I think we go 2-0 up. We start to get some of the youth players on late in the game. We concede a sloppy one because Kepa's in goal. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll end up 3-1. We'll probably get a late one. It'll be really, really cool to see one of those youth guys get, like, a solid 30-minute run out at least. That would be really nice. Like, I, my hope is that we put that we put them away early so we can do that for those for those guys. Yeah, I'm with you. So, I mean, that does kind of wrap this week's pot up. So for those of you that are still listening, um, keep in mind we did um, – we are changing our, our podcast release schedule. So now um, we're going to try and record every Sunday night. Podcast will be available um, by Monday morning. Um, and the purpose of that is because we're also going to be recording a midweek pod um, because there's a lot of fixture pile up this year. Um, we don't really want to review two, two matches every week, um, or two matches every episode. So we decided to split it up. So, uh, make sure you look out for our midweek pod after the Krasnodar match. We'll also be looking ahead to, uh, our match at the weekend, um, in that podcast as well. Uh, make sure you're following us Instagram and Twitter, uh, same handle at Romans empire pod. And until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.